So welcome to the interview. And today we have a special guest, a friend, a quilter, and someone who is a survivor of September 11th, and that's Georgia Osterman. Welcome and thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. For and a half years, um, when the when the election came about, and um, the Republicans took over the House of Representatives under Newt Gingrich, and we were because we worked for Democratic chairman. Um, you know, you're there at the pleasure of the chairman. So I ended up going over to work for the Secretary of the Navy and the Under Secretary of the Navy. And I got that job because what I did on the House Armed Services Committee was very similar to what they needed over there. And um, I was hired under what was called the Ramspect Act. The Ramspect Act, as far as I know, doesn't exist anymore. But there was a number of us that were able to transition our legislative years and skills over to the Pentagon. And so I went to work for the Undersecretary of the Navy for doing um, a lot of classified work. He wanted someone who was a civilian civil servant that would interface between the Schedule C political appointees and the Navy and Marine Corps leadership. And so I had a very high level job and that's how it was there. And I retired from there in um, 2005 from the Pentagon. And in all, how many years had you of civil service at that point? In 2001, uh, how many years had you been doing civil service? Um, 19, well, I retired at uh, 57 with 32 years. So do the math, four years. <laughs> well, congratulations. Back. Yeah, absolutely. I, 30, 32 years. But I had... I'm not good at the math right now, but um, anyway, it was a good number of years, <laughs> and I'm um, 73 now. Excellent. 73 years old. And so at that point, what was a typical day like? What was an average day at the Pentagon? Well, for me, because I had to kind of wait in queue um, to see the Undersecretary, many times it was early in the morning when I would have to go in um, before his regular meetings and or I would have to stay late in the evening to get time with him. I would have to spend time briefing him on a lot of activities and classified actions. And um, sometimes he would have a lot of questions and sometimes he wouldn't. So I learned how to talk very fast and it was um, there were lots of good fun parts of it, and I got a lot of good exposure, and I gave them a lot of benefit of uh, my experience, having worked on Capitol Hill for all these years as well. So it, it was a good job. And so the work in, tough. on the, work, work on the Capitol had really prepared you for what it was you were doing at the Pentagon. Yes. And when... Um, Richard Danzig was the undersecretary at the time. And when he hired me and I realized what I would be doing there, I went home and cried because of the uh, responsibility that was laid on me. And uh, 
I, I would get approvals for a lot of actions, activities classified among the top leadership, including um, Chief Naval Operations or his vice or the Commandant or the ACMAC. Um, the General Counsel of the Navy was always, I, I had lawyers and I used them. And uh, so, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty much my routine for those uh, years that I was there. I was there. So I was there about 10 years doing that job. And when 9-11 came along, um, I had to be back in uh, working right after that. Mm. And so they were, um, they were getting ready then under uh, Bush to go into Iraq and to go into Afghanistan. And so I um, was exposed constantly to the um, intelligence arena and the uh, military operations that were to be conducted. And um, yeah, so, um, and I was the last one to approve or put my signature on those items before it went to the secretary. So um, yeah, I, I hit the ground running, but I had a lot of people that supported me in that job that I could call on. So. Um, when I left in 2005, um, it was a change of administrations also, and um, they didn't feel that for a long time. Uh, but, yeah. Well, why do you think that is? That they did not fill it? Yeah. Because it was very hard to find someone who was had all the clearances uh, across the board. I had, over the years, when I worked on the House Armed Services Committee, I worked for the Procurement and Military Nuclear Systems Subcommittee for a period of time. That's where I started out. And so I had clearances from the Department of Energy for the nuclear weapons side. Of course, the Navy has submarines <laughs> and um, missiles. And, um, so I had, had um, when I worked on the House, I worked um, would do the conferences for the staff director. I worked very close with them. And so I had a broad experience with the appropriations and uh, the other committees uh, on the House and the Senate. So, uh, yeah. It was, Understood. It was a cool job. Cool job. And you had all the, the sort of the level of expertise you'd already set by what you'd done allowed you access to allowed you access with clearances that just aren't that commonly all put together most, in one place. Most people would not have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was, that was how I advised the secretary and the undersecretary because I had those capabilities. The right background, absolutely. If we can just go to the day itself, to September 11, 2001, and how did that how did that day play out for you well i was living i had moved i was living over in um vienna virginia and so i would take the metro in and change at roslyn and then going in so it, it was a early morning thing and i had uh, a meeting to get a signature from 
then secretary, um, or actually it was the night before, and, but the document that I was transmitting, I had to deliver it someplace else. And that place just happened to be on the side where the plane hit. And um, I was on the fifth floor and I was on the outside of ring, you know, everybody knows there's um, an E-ring for the leadership, but I was up on the top floor and I had gone around to take my pouch. I was carrying orange pouches uh, around and um, uh, I had done that. And we were looking at the camera and I had not realized because I was so busy getting done what I had to do that the plane had hit New York. And so the staff were at the window um, looking out um, and as you look out to the D-ring and they were looking at the camera and I came in and I saw what they were saying and um, I sought out the person that I needed to give this document to and we went into his office just right next door. And I said to him, as we were walking from one door to the other, I said, I'm surprised they have not hit the Pentagon or targeted the Pentagon. And um, it was almost less than a minute. I was standing in front of his desk. He was standing up against the window and the, the plane hit. And I cannot tell you how the explosion sounded. It, it rings in my ears to this day, but I can't make the sound. And, but we were in the new section that had been under construction and no one had told us um, how that was. There were elevators, I mean, escalators they had put in and um, we had only just newly, those people had just newly moved into that office. And so um, uh, it, it knocked the whole window out and toward me as the bellowing smoke and fire went up and you could smell the fuel oil and um, the heat that pushed. And so the guy flew over the table into me and I flew back out the door. And so there were some other staff that were trying to get us out and we went out that door and we went around to the right, but that's the way I had just come in by the way the fourth floor and had taken that stairwell up to the fifth and come around and gone in that office. So as they wanted to go down the stairwell, there was fire billowing up. So we had to turn around and um, go back. And so it's not a real wide quarter. There's no windows on that outer ring or anything, but as we started to come back, I could feel a, a step that was about maybe two feet. I kind of had to jump a little bit. And my orientation, I was like, I don't, re I don't remember that. You know, that wasn't supposed to be there. Well, afterwards, where you see the picture of where the, it had crashed and fallen in, that was the beginning of it. So that's where that step was. We then went around and went down through the middle of the Pentagon and across and out. And I ended up over on the um, Route 110 going north between um, 95 and 
uh, Roslyn, and that's where we were. Um, and I could not um, remember, I wanted to get in touch with my family, you know, to tell them I was okay. My brother had been in the army, had worked, I had gotten one year out of him that we were in the Pentagon together. And, um, and then my daughter had, during the summer, had worked at the, the uh, preschool or daycare center during the summer. And so she would have known. And but I could not get in touch with them until way late. But I couldn't remember a phone number. That's how in shock I think I was. And um, I I knew a friend up in New up in New Jersey, and I I knew his one of the staff gave me the phone number, and I I called him, and he didn't even have the TV on. He was clueless, and I said, "I'm okay, I'm okay," you know. But um, it wasn't until later in the afternoon when we had hitched a ride, kind of walked over to Crystal City from there. And there was an office and there, a gentleman that I knew lived out near Vienna. We got in his car and, you know, I got, got to my house and my house was very locked up. I didn't have my keys. I didn't have my ID. Uh, it was just what I was worn to work. And I um, knew the lady across the street, and I went over to her, and she opened her door, and she said, oh, Georgia, look what they've done to your Pentagon. And um, she had the TV on. And I did not know at that time that that part of the Pentagon had fallen in. And then I started to hear the damage, and so um, I, I – dealt a lot with the Navy intelligence offices and the people. And they had just finished a briefing. Um, and a lot of those people were, were killed. And it, it was sad. And, but then um, my brother, who I said had been in the Army, and he lived um, not too far for me, he had set up a triage. And had been in touch with my children. Well, they weren't children, they were grown young, two grown young women with children of their own. And um, so then they all gathered. We went to a Italian restaurant right up the street um, there in Vienna. And um, got some. They got me have something to eat and a couple of good glasses of red wine. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so um, they stayed with me. But then my daughter took me back into work um, to get my car and my ID on that Friday. I couldn't. I just couldn't do it before then. And um, it, it was it's something I'll, I'll never forget. And then. After I got back, then it was the response to the attack and the preparations that went into um, going into Iraq and then Afghanistan. And so um, I ended up having a couple of, I, I uh, was, talked to the people from the uh, Victims Fund 
from New York, the Red Cross had. And um, I was able to seek some help, but I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And, um, and I have that too today. If, if <laughs> I now live out near Dulles Airport, or not far enough, but the, when the planes leave and go, and sometimes I, I know the sounds of the planes, an abnormal plane sound. My ears go up like a dog's ears. And um, yeah, so it's, it's still there after 20 years. So I still have that. Not as not as much, you know. I mean, I I know, but um, I think a lot of it was I um, because of my knowledge um, there. And when the plane hit, and we were trying to get out, I had a scarf and I was holding it up to my nose because of the smoke and stuff. And um, I I thought it was going to be chemical weapons. I thought the plane was probably going to release something chemical and it didn't and when it first 20 minutes half an hour went by it had not happened um but i thought that was, my initial thought was that um i don't know if other people thought that or not but um at that time um there was a lot of talk in, in the public domain even about you know chemical weapons being dispersed and how, how they would do that, sarin gases and things of that sort. So um, they were not that sophisticated, but they were pretty sophisticated. People say that if the plane had been 10 feet higher, they would have hit right there. And so I, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. What a horrific experience. Yeah. Was there any... Uh, oh. At, at what point did the idea of sort of figuring out who was behind it catch up? You know, when it's actually happening, there's no time to really, to really think about that kind of thing. And as you mentioned, there was a person who said to you, the person you were with sort of had said, you know, gosh, I, I don't even know why, I don't know why they haven't attacked here. Um, but the who of it is, how did that come out as far as, you, your, you, as far as your, you remember. Um, I was not surprised, you know, when they said that it was, uh, you know, Bin Laden and and those folks that were, once once they said that or suspected, um, you know, it was it was logical to me. That that was happening, um, and going into Iraq, we had also been doing a lot of studies and things like that. So I, I kind of figured I wasn't surprised. I, I'll just put it that way. I didn't say, "Oh, I'm going to figure that person," you know. Um, right. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to remember. <laughs> right. Surely. Um, and afterwards, you I'm say sorry. you were able to get to your things, that, that they were able to take you and, and recover your keys and your cards, etc. Were those, had those been removed and taken somewhere else, or did you actually get back into the structure? 
No, I, my office was around not too far from where the Secretary of the Navy, I was just above him. So I would go up and down between the fourth and the fifth floor. My office was um, a closed skiff. So um, I, my, oh, and I had a Navy chief, Cheryl Alger, and um, she was awesome because she and her husband had been um, involved with um, the emergency uh, rescue when they had been down in Pensacola. They were both Navy chiefs. And um, actually, um, she was written up, and, and they um, also wrote, wrote, I was in that story. And so I understand there was a recent documentary. I don't, and I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's the same title or not that was on, um, can I say the channel? CBS, you'll edit it anyway. Um, and it's called The Women's War. And the gentleman who wrote it, and I have to turn the glasses back on, um, but I'll just show it to you. If you can bring it to the center, yeah. And yeah. in that, um, uh, they mention you know, um, the story. Oh, there, there they are. And um, they, it, it's written about people all over the world um, that they interviewed. And she was interviewed. And her quote was, um, oh, here it said that, um, she said, well, quote, my initial thought was, oh, God, my boss, Georgia, if you look at the pictures taken right after the collapse, the fifth floor was one of our offices, and she was supposed to be over there. I was thinking, was Georgia in there? Was she on the way back to her office? Um, and it says that she did not know until later that evening. And she says, all I could think about was that Georgia had headed that direction and she was still there or somewhere in between. And when she reached the uh, sixth corridor, Defense Protective Service was directing everyone out of, out of the A-Ring. So that's, this affirms what I'm, what, the story that I told you. So it's uh, um, written up. <laughs> and that's a bit of an honor to have that posterity for my children and my heritage. So. Absolutely. What's the most memorable part of the day for you? Obviously, I mean, other than you mentioned when your first, when there's the breach first occurs and you start to get a sense of heat. But now that we're on the other end of it, 20 years, is there, looking back, what do you think of the response that the country has given us? To the attacks on 9-11? Do you think that we've taken care of what we need to? Uh, or what are your thoughts now? Um, well, I'm really glad it's about time they got out, out of Afghanistan. And um, at the time when they were going into Iraq, um, I sounded what I could sound for GS-15. Um, civil servant, I said, there's no exit strategy. There's no exit strategy. There's no exit strategy. And I didn't, and I did not see one. 
and um, yeah. it was way above mine and their pay grade. I think at the point about whether or not they went into Iraq. And if you remember the testimony at the UN and individuals that went up there and talked about weapons of mass destruction and uh, as a reason for going into Iraq. And then they found out later that there were no weapons of mass destruction. And I, I'm not going to, it's not my job to go further than that. But then when they went in Afghanistan, and if anybody were to look at the history of Afghanistan and when the Russians were in there, and then they vacated, you know, the English had been in there, I mean, French had been there. It, uh, I'm actually reading about the history of England right now, volume one, volume two. And in there, it talks about India and the Far East and Pakistan and, and um, Afghanistan. And so the English went in there and then they came back out. So everybody's had their turn as far as my personal perspective over history. And it's 70-something. I think I can say that. Absolutely. But And, um, and at the information that you had and the, the, the yeah. level that you were at, uh, you were, you know, you saw the same thing. There, there was a quagmire being set up. No exit strategy. It wasn't gonna. It, it was something that that would cause us to have to extract ourselves uh, instead of having an end game and achieving it and getting out. Yeah, I mean, I saw a no win situation all the way around. You know, and so it was just how long were we going to be there? Is there something that we didn't touch on that you would like to say? Yeah, I would like to say um, about how how I came into retirement. After that, I ended up after nine months of being retired in um, uh, 2005. I ended up going to work at the uh, Maryland General Assembly for um, the gentleman who was the par parliamentarian later. There was a job opening for the Montgomery County delegation, and that's how I, I started out. And I went from that GS-15, step nine, high level, uh, at the pinnacle places of uh, the government, to uh, making coffee and uh, working for, at minimum wage, uh, and I was there like seven years, and I was able to get an IRA because uh, civil service, you don't have IRAs. And so um, I just packed that money in into, um, you know, an IRA. And so I have a nice little nest egg sitting there in, in the credit union, which is part of it. And then I got into quilting. And so my passion is quilting, and I have behind me a quilt, if I can just hold it up. It's uh, my commemorative to 9-11. Uh, uh, it is, I don't know if you can see it or not. And the Pentagon is at the center of it. And the butterflies represent 
where the plane hit and where the souls, um, and that's what it's called, the souls of uh, the Pentagon. Beautiful. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So that's, that's one of them. But I went on to do a lot of creations, and I, I had won a number of awards at Maryland State Fairs. And this one I just did is uh, for my daughter, who she is a teacher of teachers in Ann Arbor County. And uh, after COVID, you know, and the teacher's not been there for almost two years, so she's coaching them. And uh, I like mother, like daughter, like daughter, like mother. And uh, <laughs> she said it was a six-sided table, and she said she wanted a, this kind of a quilt. And I didn't realize that the six sides represent the six sides of the table for these teachers. So it's going to be this, their centerpiece. So that's that's the way my life is now. Much wonderful, you know. wonderful art. And I watch a lot. I watch TV, and then I don't watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I, I second guess. And uh, um, there are a couple of people that are in prominent in the news uh, world now. Um, some at retired admirals, four and five stars that are now consultants for major news things and uh, I had worked with them as an example so it's my first broadcast <laughs> <Those words>. Fantastic. <laughs> well thank you for being here and thank you for letting me interview you uh, and thank you for for sharing that, that traumatic time uh, that uh, that you went through and and we're so happy that you're here <laughs> <laughs>